1: I want you to take out your Bibles, if you will, please. And whether it be um, a traditional hard copy that uh, many carry, or if you have a digital device, I want you to take that out. And I want to encourage you to use uh, Logos Bible software this morning. Turn to Matthew's Gospel, chapter 5. It's the scripture reference that I used earlier, that I read earlier today. And today I'm beginning a brand new sermon series titled Turning Your Priorities Upside Down. Okay? Turning Your Priorities Upside Down is the title of the sermon series. Uh, and it's really going to be a, a series of sermons from the Beatitudes, the great Sermon on the Mount that Jesus preached. And we're going to start unpacking, leaning into uh, the Beatitudes. But let, it's confession time. Before we get into the Scripture, uh, it's, it's confession time. Uh, I wonder, let's, let's do a survey here. Are you a little bit confused whenever you read the Beatitudes? I mean, do you really look at them or are you thinking... Man, I don't know that I really understand that. So the question is, are you confused when you read the Beatitudes? attitudes? The letter A will be, no, I completely understand. The letter B will be, maybe I am just a little... Or the letter C will be, yes, I don't have a clue, really, what he's talking about. Now, here's how you take this survey. You've got to get your digital device out. Let's take a moment and do this. It's this kind of cool. You've got to take your digital device out. I want you to open up your Logos Bible Software app that is in there. And you should, if you're following along in the service, uh, you should be uh, a little icon is there. I hope this works. First time we tried. Yeah, somebody said, uh, no, that was a test, okay? Anyhow, it's working, Okay now just vote once okay don't manipulate the score here uh but here you are if you open up the logos bible software app on your iphone your android device whatever you follow along with the service you should be able to give a response here on this survey and let me know kind of where you are whenever you read the beatitudes okay so here we are are you confused when you read the beatitudes we got a couple says nope i completely understand that's good no, nope, they just changed their mind. Okay, don't play with me here. I'm thinking that's Brad in the back, okay? Uh, the letter B, maybe I am just a little. The letter C, yes, I don't have a clue. Come on, guys, you can, you can chime in there. How many, how many have logos on your, on your devices, okay? Uh, get in there and uh, take this survey with us here. The scripture says, let's leave the survey up and running while I'm reading the scripture in Matthew chapter number 5. When he saw the crowds, he went up on the mountain, and after he sat down, his disciples came to him. Then he began to teach them. I find that very interesting right there. A lot of times we think, um, and I guess there's a debate, there's a theological debate on whether Jesus was preaching to the multitudes here or whether he put his disciples away and he was teaching to them. But at least I believe for the Beatitudes here, I believe he was really talking to his disciples. I believe there was some mentoring going on here between, between him and the disciples. And then he began to teach them saying... The poor in spirit are blessed, the kingdom of heaven is theirs. Those who mourn are blessed, for they will be comforted. The gentle are are blessed, for they will inherit the earth. Those who hunger and thirst for righteousness are blessed, for they will be filled. The merciful are blessed, for they will be shown mercy. The pure in heart are blessed, for they will see God. The peacemakers are blessed, for they will be called the sons of God. And those who are persecuted for for righteousness are blessed, for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. I don't know about you, but for many years, especially as a young Christian... Growing up in church, when I read the Beatitudes, they really didn't make sense to me. I I really struggled to really understand understand what all that really meant. Because you know what, guys? What Jesus calls blessings sometimes doesn't really sound like anything I want to receive. Right? I mean, think about it. The poor in spirit. Those that mourn. How many of us really enjoy mourning? I'm not talking about 6 a.m. morning. I'm talking about grieving morning. We don't really enjoy that, do we? What about the persecution part? What about the meat part? What about all these things that Jesus sees as blessings? Do we really see them as blessings? No. As Americans, a lot of times in our culture, we don't see these as blessings. As a matter of fact, our culture shouts out to us, you can have it all, right? Our culture shouts out to us, you only have one life to live. It's yours. Live it up. To the best that you can. Our culture shouts out, have it your way. Right? Our culture shouts out, you deserve a break today. You only live once. I want it my way. That's what our culture screams to us. So the question is, who is right? Jesus or our culture? Where are the blessings in all of this? Well, here we are. We see we have six that completely understand. Six that are kind of maybe understand a little too. That says, I don't have a clue. Um, so where are we with all this? Perhaps, get this guys, perhaps our difficulty lies not so much in the Beatitudes as it does our priorities. You see, because I think whenever we start to value the things that God values, then we will know a blessing when we see it from God. But unless we are val- have value on the things that God values, then we're going to struggle and we're going to understand. Okay, we can take the survey down. and I want to do more of that and kind of put that up there more and more as we kind of go through our weeks to come here. And I'm going to ask you some questions and be uh, shooting out a survey to you. So get the Logos Bible software on your app and you can follow along with that. Listen, guys, if we don't value the things that God values, we, we will have a difficult time knowing a blessing from God when he gives it, Right? I mean, blessed, happy, happy indeed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are those who mourn. Blessed are the meek. Blessed are the persecuted. I don't know if maybe you are like me, but I found a little cartoon. We're going to put it up on the slide for you here. It's a Frank and earnest little caption, but it says something like this. He's going to the priest at the church, and he says, I'm tired of blessings in disguise. If it's all the same to you, I want one I can recognize immediately, right? I mean, isn't that how we kind of find it going through life sometimes? Sometimes we struggle to see the blessings in things. Now, I'm talking about the Beatitudes. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are those that mourn. Blessed are the meek. Blessed are the persecuted. Listen, guys, the only way that we're really going to recognize a blessing from the Lord is when we begin to think like Jesus. When we begin to make his priorities our priorities. Are you with me? I want you to turn in your Bibles to another passage of Scripture in Colossians chapter 3. We're going to jump around here a little bit as a way of introduction. I'm really going to drill in on the Beatitudes beginning next week. Today is going to be kind of a panoramic introduction, if you will. But I'm talking about reprioritizing our life. If we're going to see God's blessings on our life, then we must start thinking like Jesus thinks. We must put value on the things that he puts value on. And whenever we start doing that, then I think we'll start recognizing the blessings that he gives us. I don't know about you, but going through persecution sometimes is difficult. Would you agree? But there's a blessing in that. Well, how in the world can I see the blessing going through the persecution unless I'm thinking and seeing like Jesus is thinking and seeing? So I must start the reprioritizing of my life. In Colossians chapter 3 and verse number 1, the scripture says, seek what is above where the Messiah is. Seek what is above where the Messiah is. I believe what Paul is saying here, reprioritize your life. Now, I like what it says in the New Living Translation. I also like what it says in the Message Paraphrase. In the New Living Translation, it says, set your sights on the reality of heaven where Christ sits. Let me ask you, are you looking to heaven? Are you setting your sights on the reality of heaven on a daily basis? I like how Eugene Peterson paraphrases this. In the message, and I believe I have a slide for that. It says this. So if you're serious about living this new resurrection life with Christ, act like it. Okay? If you're serious about living this new resurrection life with Christ, act like it. Pursue the things over which Christ presides. Don't shuffle along, eyes to the ground, absorbed with the things right in front of you. But look up and be alert to what's going on around Christ. And That's where the action is. See things from his perspective, right? See things from his perspective. Guys, do you realize that whenever we start putting the first things first, whenever we really start following Jesus and reprioritizing our life and becoming a disciple and a follower of his, that Jesus himself admits that it's not an easy task. A lot of folks are looking for an easy way. In the Christian love. Now, do we have the Comforter? Yes. Do we have someone that promises us he'll never leave us nor forsake us? Yes, right? Do we have the Holy Spirit that takes up residence within us and comes alongside of us? Yes. But is it always easy being a disciple, being a Christ follower, following Jesus? Is it always easy? Matter of fact, Jesus said it isn't. Matter of fact, I want you to listen to what he says in Matthew chapter 16 and verse number 24. The scripture says, Then Jesus said to his disciples, If anyone wants to come with me, he must deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Guys, do you realize that Jesus said, If you're going to follow me, there's two things you must do. Number one, you must have self-denial, right? And number two, you must be a cross-bearer. In other words, you must deny self, die to your flesh... Every single day, and then pick up the cross of Jesus and carry that cross every single day. And I don't know about you, but those aren't very appealing options, are they? Right? I mean, if you're a salesman, you're going out, you say, okay, I want you to follow Jesus, but here's what I want you to do. Deny yourself and take up this cross. Persecution's going to come, right? There's going to be blessings and mourning. Really? I don't know about you, but I have a hard time seeing that from a worldly or carnal or earthly perspective, Right? But whenever we start reprioritizing our life and thinking the way that Jesus is thinking, then we can start seeing some of those things a little bit easier. Well, let's turn from these disturbing orders. I don't know what's wrong with our slide here. I think it may be the color or something. But yeah, mine's not coming through. I didn't know if yours were coming through or not. But I apologize for that. But let's go to something a little more comforting. In Matthew chapter 6, verse 25 through verse number 26. Matthew chapter 6, there we have some scripture. Matthew chapter 6 and verse 25 through 26. Look what Jesus said. Don't worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink or, what, or about your body, what you will wear. Then in verse 26, look at the birds of the sky. They don't sow or reap or gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Aren't you worth more than they? Now, I don't know about you, but I have an easy time seeing and discovering the blessing there, right? What is the blessing? A worry-free life, right? That's the blessing. The blessing is a worry-free life. However, there's a phrase I want you to remember. Get this phrase. It's the next slide. Before the blessing comes the prioritizing. Everybody say that with me. Before the blessing comes prioritizing. Let's say it again. Before the blessing... What's the blessing that he mentions in verse number tw- or chapter 6 here of Matthew? The blessing is a worry-free life, right? Well, where is the prioritizing? If we're going to have a worry-free life, then the prioritizing took place in the paragraph just before that. In Matthew chapter 6 in verse 21 through verse number 24, Jesus said, For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The eye is the lamp of the body, and if your eye is good, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. So if the light within you is darkness, how deep is that darkness? For no man can be a slave to two masters. Since either he will hate one and love the other, or be devoted to the one and despise the other, you cannot be slaves of God and money. So my point is, we're right back to the beginning. We must put first things first. We must reprioritize Our life. And then in Matthew chapter 6 and verse number 33, where Jesus said, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. What's that called? That's called prioritizing our life, right? Seeking first the kingdom of God, seeking first his righteousness. And whenever we do that, then we can start seeing the blessings of God in our life. The reason why a lot of people struggle with the Beatitudes, the reason why a lot of people have a difficult time seeing the blessing in the meek or the poor in spirit and seeing the blessing in the meek or seeing the blessing when we're mourning or seeing the blessing when we are persecuted is simply because we're really not seeking the kingdom of God first in our life, in every area of our life. So let's say it again. Before the blessing comes prioritizing. I want you to look to your neighbor right now and make that statement. Before the blessing comes prioritizing. Go ahead, tell your neighbor. Before the blessing comes prioritizing. Okay? So before we can really see what Jesus is blessing us with, before we can see the blessing in in the being persecuted, before we can really see these blessings, we've got to reprioritize our life, and we must put Jesus first. Well, let me give you a biblical example. I want to spend today just giving you a biblical example of someone who did just this very thing. An individual in the Bible who reprioritized his life and then really started seeing the blessings of God in his life even through some of the most difficult challenges that he faced. Let's look at the life of Peter. And let's look whenever he first started following the Lord. I want you to turn in your Bibles to Luke chapter 5. We'll be here the rest of the time. Luke chapter 5 and verse number 1 through verse number 11. Okay, This is the story when Peter forsakes all, reprioritizes his life, starts to follow after Jesus. And I think there's some parallels that we can get out of his life and some application and apply it to our own, very, to our, to our own life so that we can start reprioritizing our life so we can see the blessings in the Beatitudes. Luke chapter 5 in verse number 1, as the crowd was pressing in on Jesus to hear God's word, he was standing by the lake of and he saw two boats at the edge of the lake and the fishermen had had left them and were washing their nets he got into one of the boats which belonged to simon who the boat belong to who got in the boat who the boat belong to who got in the boat who got in the boat come on guys who got in the boat okay i'm just seeing if you're listening all right jesus got in the boat right jesus got in the boat it's simon's boat In verse number three, he got into one of the boats which belonged to Simon. He asked him to put out a little from the land. And then he sat down and was teaching the crowds from the boat. And when he had finished speaking, I love this part. I'm going to come back to this in just a moment. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into the deep water and let down your nets for a catch. Master, Simon replied, we've worked hard all night long and caught nothing. But at your word, let down the nets. Or I'll let down the nets. And when they did this, they caught a great number of fish, and their nets began to tear. So they signaled to their partners in the other boat to come over and help them. And they came and filled both boats so full that they began to sink. And when Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, Go away from me, because I am a sinful man, Lord. And for he and all those with him were amazed at the catch of the fish that they took. And so were James and John, Zebedee's sons, who were Simon's partners. I like Jesus' response to Peter, to Simon. He says, don't be afraid, Jesus told Simon. From now on, you will be catching people. And then they brought the boats to the land, left everything, and followed him. Once again, I want you to say to your neighbor, before the blessing comes prioritizing, here we see this even in Peter's life. Before the blessing came the prioritizing of his own personal life. Now, let's look at several things here. I'm going to try to get through this pretty quickly here. But number one, the first thing I want you to jot down, you can turn over to the back of your worship folder, your, your bulletin, you can jot down a few things or put it in the notes uh, in your digital device, however you do that. But I want you to jot down a few things. The first thing we see here is the command of Jesus. Now, I'm talking about reprioritizing our life. I'm talking about seeing the blessings once our life is reprioritized, okay? I'm talking about living out Matthew 6, 33. Seek you first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, then all these other things will be added unto you, okay? The blessings from God, you'll be able to see them whenever we reprioritize our life. But here's the command. The command that Jesus gave Peter is found in verse number 4. Put out into the deep water and let down your nets for a catch. Now, prior to Jesus saying that, where was Jesus standing? In Peter's boat. Peter was just pushed out a little ways from the shore. And who was Jesus speaking to? He was speaking to the crowds. Okay? Here he's speaking to the crowds. Right? He's talking to the multitudes. Let me tell you something. As long as Jesus was speaking to the crowds, Peter really didn't hear a word that he said. I mean, the words of Jesus just bounced off of Peter and went out to the crowd. And, and sometimes I think he had a hard time taking those personally. I mean, it's just Jesus speaking to the crowd. I wonder how many times we do that, right? We read the word and we say, oh, that's for everybody else. Or that's for the crowd. And that's for so-and-so. Or, man, I wish so-and-so. You know, but sometimes we come to church with this pitch, pitchfork theology. You know what I mean? I mean, we hear the Word of God preached and, and the Holy Spirit convicts our heart and it lands rot smack dab in our lap. And then instead of taking the Word of God and maybe the conviction of the Holy Spirit and applying it to our own life, we look around in the congregation and we say, man, I wish so-and-so was here today. Or, by the way, I think sister so-and-so needs this. And we get that pitchfork and we stick it there and we just chunk it over to sister so-and-so on the other side of the church, right? Because we're just speaking to the crowd. Hello? But I want you to notice in verse number four that the one-on-one mentoring begins when Jesus turns his eyes from the crowd and he looks into the eyes of Peter. And he says, Peter, I want you to launch out into the deep water and let down your nets for a catch. You see, as as, as long as Jesus was just preaching to the crowd, there was really nothing required of Peter. But the minute Jesus turned his eyes and looked, at Peter and he said Peter launch out into the deep there's requirement there's now responsibility placed on Peter is he going to listen to the master will he be obedient right the command is go out into the deep and cast your nets down on the side of the boat And that one-on-one mentoring had begun. Jesus had turned from the crowd to the individual. And may I tell you here this morning, I'm preaching to the crowd, but the Holy Spirit speaking to you as individuals, right? Listen to what the Lord speaks to you today, right? If you're here today, listen, I don't believe in any accidents. I believe in divine appointments. There is a sovereign God who is ruling all things. Hello? Right? And you are not here by mistake today. Every person that's here under the sound of my voice, and by the way, we put these out on podcast, and I believe every, I believe there's divine appointments there. When someone clicks on a message on the internet and listens to this preaching, it is not an accident. Right, church? It's God trying to speak to us individually, and what we need to do is take heed and listen. Listen, because Jesus is making eye contact with you today. Hello? Amen? Number two, get this one. Not only the command to put out into the deep, but here we find the complaint. Listen to what Peter says in verse number five. Master, Simon replied, we've worked hard all, not long, and caught nothing. I can only imagine Peter at this point. I mean, he realizes that Jesus is just a carpenter's boy that somehow has got into this profession of being a great orator. And no doubt Peter looked up at Jesus and thought, you know, I'm the professional fisherman here, okay? You are a brilliant teacher, and you are a tremendous speaker, and you're gathering a great follower. But what you are not, and I believe this is kind of the unspoken word that Peter's saying with this tone, or with the words he's saying here, but what you are not is a fisherman, Right? But Jesus just told him to set out into the deep and drop his nets. The complaint came back, and Peter said, Master, we've worked hard all night long, and we have caught nothing. Jesus, when it comes to fishing, let me take care of the fishing business. When it comes to speaking, you take care of the speaking business. I believe that's kind of what Peter was thinking. I mean, after all, Peter was tired. Hello? He was tired. How long had he been fishing? All night long. He'd been out there all night long and he had caught nothing. Not only was he tired, but he also had tried everything that a fisherman could try to do to catch some fish all night long. So he's probably frustrated. He's tried everything. He's extremely tired and fatigued. And Jesus now is telling him to launch out into the deep. I wonder, has Jesus been speaking to you lately? And we look around at our own life and we think, you know, I, I know how to handle this better than the Word of God knows how to handle this. Or, and sometimes we get that arrogant and sometimes we get maybe that naive or sometimes that rebellious. And, and the Holy Spirit speaks to our heart and, and, and we're just not being obedient. Here's the complaint that Peter had. Master, we've worked hard all night and we have caught nothing. But then comes the compliance, the third thing I want you to see. Not only do we see the command launch out into the deep, not only do we see the complaint from Peter, I have fished all night, Lord. and We haven't caught a thing. But then he complied with the command of the master. He became obedient to the command. And this is where the reprioritizing starts to begin in his own life. It says, Master, Simon replied, we've worked hard all night long and caught nothing. Get this. But at your word, I'll let down the nets. Everybody say, at your word. At your word, at the word of God. Peter was simply just being obedient to the word of God, right? That's where we need to live. We need to start living our life in complete obedience to the word of God. Peter sometimes, I think, didn't even believe it would happen, right? I mean, he fished all night. He is the professional fisherman. But at your word, Lord, okay. All right, you are Jesus, so I'll just go ahead and drop... My nets and sometimes I don't even believe he had the faith to believe that he was going to catch anything, right? Do you? I mean he fished all night and caught nothing, right? I mean, Peter was a man. He knew the times to catch fish. He's a professional fisherman. He could look at the skies and he could look at the sea and he could pay attention to the temperatures and he could pay attention to the wind of how it was blowing. And I mean he knew how to catch fish. It was his business, right? But that particular night they caught nothing. So I believe he kind of reluctantly went out there and complied and maybe thought, you know, we're not going to catch anything. But at your word, at your word, I'll do it. You know, I admire Peter here. You know why why I admire him? Because in the middle of his profession, he is fatigued. He is exhausted. He had been working all night long. He was unproductive, right? He was a failure that night in his job, right? Right? Guys, have you ever felt like that in your own life? Maybe you look around and you're fatigued, you're exhausted. You've tried everything in your own strength and nothing is working. You know what you need to do? You need to let go of the situation. Hello? I mean, you're trying everything you can do. You, You have got total control of that thing in your life, whatever it is. What you need to do is let go of it. Hello? And start just being obedient to the Lord and give it over to Him. Peter had had control of that fishing boat all night long and caught nothing, came up empty-handed. But he said, Lord, at your word, because you commanded me to do this, I will comply and I will launch out into the deep and I will put down my nets. I respect Peter that when he was fatigued and tired and worn out, he was obedient to the command of the Lord. And guys, that's where we must live. If we really want to see the blessings of God in our life, we must live in obedience to the word of God. Whether we completely understand or not, whether we completely agree or not. I believe Peter walked, launched out into the deep and let his nets down. And possibly the whole time he's going out there, he's thinking, we're not going to catch anything. I've been out here all night long. I don't know why I'm doing this, but I'm going to do it at his word, right? I mean, you kind of see that in his tone. Well, let me give you the fourth thing I believe we see, and I call it the conclusion. Look, if you will, in Luke chapter 5, verse 6 through 7. When they did this, they caught a great number of fish, and their nets began to tear. So they signaled to the partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and they filled both boats so full that they began to sink. Listen, church, can you say once again, before the blessing comes prioritizing, say that. Before the blessing comes prioritizing. Guys, listen, that's kind of what I built this whole sermon around. Before the blessing comes to prioritizing. If we're really going to get a good understanding of the Beatitudes in the weeks to come, we must begin by reprioritizing our life, putting first things first, seeking first the righteousness of God, and then these things will begin to make sense. What happened when he obeyed the Word of God and he was obedient to what the Lord said? He put his nets out and the cords on the neck were so strained they began to break. And he had to call for help to get the fish into the boat. And then his boat alone could not contain all the blessings that God was giving him. He had to call his buddies over, bring your boat over. And then both boats began to sink with the fill of fish, the blessing that God gave them. Now listen, I'm not into this health, wealth, prosperity preaching. And I believe sometimes... A lot of occults out there and a lot of false teaching out there, what they have done, they have taken a biblical principle and a truth, and they've gone and expo- ex- exploited it, I should say, for their own profit and their own will. And we've been teaching about that in the book of Titus here on Wednesday evenings. But there is a truth in God's Word that if you will seek Him first, He will add all these other provisions that you need in life. He will take care of those. Right? Do do we even believe that? Do we believe it, church? Do we believe if we seek him first that he'll take care of you? Now, listen, I'm not saying that he'll give you a brand new Cadillac. I'm not saying he'll give you a million-dollar home. I'm not saying he'll answer every prayer you pray to the positive just the way you want it to be prayed or the way you want it to be answered. I'm not saying that you're going to live completely um, healthy your entire life, that there's not going to be any heartaches. I'm not saying any of that. But what I am saying is there will be blessings from God that you will be able to see in your life when you start reprioritizing your life and putting Jesus first in your life. You'll see the blessings, right? Because before the blessing, help me, comes prioritizing, right? Listen, when you leave here today, that's really all I want you to know. Know it's Luke chapter 5 out of the life of Peter. Before the blessing comes prioritizing, right? Say it. Before the blessing comes prioritize. Look to your neighbor. Tap on the shoulder because I don't believe they believe it. Tell them. So many fish, their boats begin to sink. Do we really believe? That if we become obedient to the word of God, that he'll bless. I believe it. But it also reminds me of another passage of scripture. I mean, that's a great, that's a great promise, is it not? It, it reminds me of another passage of scripture in the book of Malachi. Now, some may freeze right here whenever I go there, but I want to show you something in Malachi chapter 3. Turn there in your Bibles. Malachi chapter 3, verse 10 through 12. 12. Whenever I read the story of Peter, he reprioritized his life. He was obedient to the word of the Lord, to what God told him to do, Jesus told him to do. He launched out into the deep. He set his nets out. There was more than he could even handle because he was obedient. It immediately reminded me of Malachi chapter 3. Now this is when the prophet Malachi, was God was speaking through him to the nation of Israel. And he says this. Bring all the tithe into the storehouse so there will be enough food in my temple. And if you do, says the Lord of Heaven's army, get this, I will open the windows of heaven for you, get this, and I will pour out a blessing so great you won't have enough room to take it in. Try it. Put me to the test. Guys, you realize this is the only time in Scripture when God says, put me to the test. Try me in this. You say, Well, preacher, listen, I've kind of looked at things and I don't know that I can really do it. Test God. He said, Try me in this. Right, put me to the test in this, and see if I will not open the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing that it'll be so great that you can't even you can't even take it all in. Look what he says in verse number eleven: Your crops will be abundant, for I will guard them from the insects and the disease. Your grapes will not fall from the vine before they are ripe, says the Lord of Heaven's Armies. Then all the nations will call you blessed, for your land will be such a delight, says the Lord. Lord of heaven's armies. Do we believe these are extravagant promises? I mean, they're pretty big promises, but I promise you there is a God in heaven that fulfills every single promise that He makes in Scripture. And I believe the condition lies upon us, right? Are we going to be obedient? Are we going to completely take our life, dump everything out, start putting the pieces in, and start with Jesus first and living our life for Him, seeking Him first? I believe whenever we do that, things in your life will start making a little bit more sense. I think you'll start seeing the blessings of God in your life whenever you start putting Him first. Somebody's got to help me preach here. Does anybody agree with what I'm saying? Come on church, I'm telling you the truth today. Hello? These are some great promises from God but they're conditional based. They're based upon how you handle the promise and the truth of God's Word. Mm. I don't know about you but I want the Lord protecting my crops. Hello? I want Jesus as the guardian of my life. I want Him to be the captain of my ship. Hello? I'm not even interested in being the co-pilot of my life. I just want him to be the pilot. I'm going to go sit back in first class. (laughs) Jesus, you take this thing. I'm just alone for the ride. Hello? If you've got a Jesus is my co-pilot bumper sticker, you need to rip that thing off. Because that's what you're you're really telling me is I'm partly in control here. I didn't mean to offend anybody if you've got that bumper sticker. You don't have to rip it off. (laughs) But that's what I see whenever I see that. Jesus, you do your part. I'll do my part. You take care of this area of my life. I'll take care of this area of my life. You govern from over there. I'll govern from over here. That's a co-pilot type response. Hey, I don't live my life like that. Hello? When I do? Listen, Jesus said, if you want a worry-free life, where your treasure is, there will be your heart also. You'd be sold out to follow in Jesus. And then you can start living a worry-free life. Here's what I've discovered. Whenever I'm worrying and fretting over things, I've discovered I've taken my focus off Jesus. Right? I've discovered I'm starting to take control of things myself. But boy, when I just put it back over to Him, it's so much easier. Right? There's peace that that passes all understanding that starts flowing through my spirit and and there's confidence and there's faith and and there's encouragement and and, and there's just, I don't know how it's going to happen. Peter didn't know how he was going to catch any fish. He had tried and exhausted all of his means to do that. But he said, nevertheless, at thy word, I will cast my nets over. The prophet Malachi said, you try God in this. You, you, you give to God the first fruit of your increase, and I will bless you. Extravagant promises. Malachi said, there's not enough room for you to take in the blessings of God I believe Luke's scripture is teaching us that you're not even strong enough to pull in the nets of the catch that you're going to have to call for help because the blessings are going to be so great. Uh, there's many surprises laying ahead for, for Peter. Would you agree? Let me, let me give you the last two things. I'm going to be done. I want you to look at the confession and then the challenge. The confession is from Peter back in Luke chapter 5. Luke chapter 5 and verse 8. When Peter saw this, what, what do you think Peter saw? He saw all those fish, right? He saw all those fish. He saw those blessings from the Lord. And when Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, Go away from me because I am a sinful man, Lord. He realized then that Jesus was the Messiah, that he was the promised seed. That he was the son of God. That this is the son of God that's been prophesied all these years that's coming. And when he saw Jesus and he saw the blessings that God gave him through being obedient to the Lord. He realized then what a sinful man he was. And he fell at the knees of Jesus and he started repenting of his life. Does that remind you of another passage of scripture? You remember when Isaiah saw the Lord? High and lifted up in Isaiah 6. It says, whenever he saw the Lord, he realized what a woeful, sinful man he was. And he fell before the Lord. Listen, when you get in the Lord's presence, you're not going to walk around all arrogant and high and mighty. When you get in his presence, you will fall at his knees. He's holy. Amen. He's the only one that deserves our praise. Not a preacher. Not a ministry. Not a church member. It's only the Lord Jesus that deserves our praise. Amen? He's the one that's worthy. The confession, you are the Messiah. Forgive me. Why do you think he's asking for forgiveness? Maybe for doubting? Forgive me, Lord, for even doubting. I was obedient, but I came out here somewhat reluctantly. I didn't really think we were going to catch anything. I'm the professional. I've done this. I don't know about you, but maybe the Holy Spirit's fingering around your heart right now there's some areas in your life that you need to confess and repent and say, God, forgive me. I've taken control of this thing and I need to let go of it. It's not mine to control. It's yours, oh God. And I'm going to give it back to you right now. And just fall at his feet. I love this part of the story when Peter confessed, fell at his feet. And he says, I am a sinful man. Guys, if we're going to live in the blessing, if we're going to reprioritize our life, every single one of us, myself included, must realize That we all are sinful creatures. Hello? And if left to ourselves, we will destroy ourselves. The greatest need for all of mankind and all of humanity is not a teacher, right? It's not a scientist, it's not an inventor, it's not someone that can balance our budget. I don't even know if that can be done anymore. The greatest need for all of humanity, you know where I'm going this, is one word. We need a Savior. Hello? Tell your neighbor right now, we need a Savior. Every single one of us. We need a Savior. We need someone who can redeem us. We need someone who can save us. And the only way that we can ever be truly saved and born again is when we first and foremost realize that we are a sinner and we fall at the Master's feet just like Peter did and we say, Lord, forgive me. I am a sinful man. <laughs> then that leads to the challenge. That's what I want to leave you with. The challenge is found in the latter part in verse 10 through 11. 11. Jesus replied to him, "No doubt, guys. Don't you put yourself in this story? Put yourself on that boat, dragging in all those fish, calling another boat over. The boats are sinking. You're barely getting back to the shore. You're falling at the feet of the master. You're begging and asking for forgiveness. You're repenting. You're 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 confessing your sins to him. The response is he going to rebuke me? Is he going to kick me out of the boat?" For my selfish way of living? No. He loves him. And his words get this, no doubt Peter was trembling, fearful before the Lord, as such we all should. And the Lord says to Peter, Don't be afraid. I love that. (laughs) Don't be afraid, Jesus told Simon. From now on, you'll be catching people. Then they brought, to the land, they brought the boats to the land, left everything, and followed him. Guys, here's one thing I know about our Lord. He is a God of judgment. He will pour his wrath out on this sinful world one day. But he is a God of love. And here's something I find great comfort in. There's not one thing that I'll ever do in my life that will cause God to love me anymore. And there's not one thing I would do in my life that would cause God to love me any less. He loves me. And he loves you. And all you've got to do is let go and let God. Hello? Give your life to him. Start being obedient to the word of God. You say, well, I don't know that I understand. All. I'm going to wait till I understand that. No, that's not what he said. He said be obedient. Right? Peter didn't wait till he understood how he's going to catch all those fish. He just said, Nonetheless, at thy word, I'll let down my nets. And the blessings came. And the final challenge is this Peter, you're now going to have a new priority. You're no longer going to be concerned about catching fish. I'm going to set you out to catch people. And the Bible says that Peter came back to the shore. He left everything and followed him. As the band comes, we get ready for our invitation this morning. Let me ask you, have you left everything? What is it that you're dragging through life? Think about this, guys. What is it that you're just dragging through life? You know what the Lord wants you to do? He wants you to let go of it. He just wants you to leave everything. And follow Him. You say, well, I'm following Him in these areas of my life. But, man, this area, I I don't know if I can give that over to Him. And I don't even know what area that is. But you do. And God does. And what He wants you to do right now is to turn loose of that thing. Reprioritize your life. Because when we reprioritize, the blessings will flow. I wonder as every head is bowed and every eye is closed here's how we're going to do our invitation this morning I'm not going to ask you to come forward and pray but I am going to ask you to do business right where you are sitting right now with the Lord let me ask you do you need to reprioritize your life does Christ have first place in your life is he number one to you See, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. All these other things will be added unto you. Are you putting Him first? Before the blessing comes prioritizing. Before the blessing comes prioritizing. Next week we're going to jump into blessed are the poor in spirit. You're going to have a hard time understanding that passage of Scripture if you haven't reprioritized your life you're really going to struggle as we go through the Beatitudes if you haven't reprioritized your life. If Jesus isn't first, if you haven't trusted in Him as your personal Lord and Savior, if you haven't put Him number one in your life, if you haven't gotten out of the driver's seat, out of the co-pilot seat, and gotten back to where He can just lead you, you're really going to have a hard time seeing the blessings. Preacher, really... Is there blessing in mourning? Yes, there's blessings there. Are there really blessings in being persecuted? Yeah, there are. There's some tremendous blessings there. Being meek? Really? The world teaches us just the opposite. I know they do. But trust me, reprioritize your life and there's blessings there. You'll never see them unless Jesus is first. So as every head is bowed and every eye is closed, I'm going to pray with you right now. First of all, I'm going to pray for that one that needs to trust Christ as their Savior right now today. I want to help you do that. And then I want to pray for that believer that's here today that just simply needs to reprioritize their life. And I want to pray with you. And then I want you to, after I pray, I want you to take out your connection card and I want you to check on there what decisions you've made today. And I want you to drop them in the basket as you leave the service today. And then we're going to go eat some good fried chicken and have good fellowship together. But first of all, let's take care of these spiritual decisions we need to take care of. Father, right now we come into your presence. We thank you so much for your word and the examples that are there for us to learn from. And God, for the life of Peter and and the story in Luke 5, help us. To reprioritize our life that begins first and foremost by trusting you lord as our savior and right now dear jesus i just pray that for that individual that's sitting here this morning it's possibly here that's never trusted you as their personal lord and savior i pray that today would be the day of salvation that today They would do like Peter. They would fall at your knees and at your feet. They would admit and recognize that we're sinful individuals. And God, that we would pray a prayer something like this. If this is you today, pray a prayer something like this. I'm going to help you. Just pray it silently in your heart, as sincerely as you know how to pray it. In this moment together, say, dear God, I realize that I'm a sinful individual. I realize that I've been holding on to the will of my own life and doing things my way. And and right now, God, I pray you forgive me. I lay my life before you. I repent of my sins before you. I I believe you are the Son of God. I believe you went and died on the cross for my sins and the sins of the whole world. And you were buried and you rose again victoriously. And you're seated now by the right hand of the Father. And and I believe you. I don't understand everything, but... I believe you are the Son of God and I want you to be my Lord and my Savior. Right now I give you my life. I repent of my sins. I turn from my selfish way of living and I want to follow you. I'm going to leave it all as Peter did and I'm going to follow you. Father, we ask your blessings on the one that prayed that prayer this morning. We turn our attention now to those that are already believers that Sometimes we get back in the driver's seat and, and we quit trusting you. And Father, I pray for in whatever area of our life that the Holy Spirit has fingered around in this morning, Father, we confess and we repent and we plead and we ask for forgiveness. Help us, God, for not being obedient there. And forgive us for being sinful men and women. Bring us back into a right fellowship with you. And, Restore our joy and restore our happiness and restore our peace and and give us, Lord, that understanding that all is well with our soul. And right now, today, God, I rededicate and we recommit our life to you. And we pray, dear God, that you would use us for your power and for your glory. Help us, God, to seek your things first in our life. Trust everything else to be taken care of. Father, I pray for the individuals that made decisions today. For salvation decisions, for rededication decisions. Lord, I pray you bless them. Give them them reassurance of their faith and their prayers. Comfort their hearts and give them peace that passes all understanding. Help us, God, to reprioritize our life so we can see your blessings. In Jesus' name we pray.